For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. to the inaugural episode of Half Street High Heat, the new Nationals podcast for the DMV Sports Network. Um, I am Amanda White. You can follow me on Twitter at awhite7877. I am with my two co-hosts. Could you guys introduce yourselves and give your Twitter handles? Yeah, uh, we are the voices behind DC Natchak. I'm Ryan. I'm Nick, also known as Cap. Yeah, and uh, if you guys don't, you can follow us at DC Natchak. Uh, great follow great brand check it out and we'll probably make you mad a little bit but that's okay we love you (laughs) all right well we are proud to do this podcast for one of the top sports networks here in the district the dmv sports network you can get us at dmvsportsnetwork.com you can follow the main account there at twitter and instagram at dmv underscore sn there's going to be daily content there about all things dc sports as well as college sports so uh, go ahead and check it out Uh, Be sure to subscribe to our show. We're going to be available anywhere you find your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud. So let's get into it. Um, Let's just do a little bit, introduce ourselves. I know a lot of people probably know us from Twitter a little bit and uh, talk about how we became Nats fans. So you guys want to get, who wants to go first? I'll start. So I'm sure I have the same story as as a lot of people, but um, I actually grew up a Yankees fan. Oof. Sorry, sorry to say it, but I mean the Nats weren't a thing till 2005. So I I loved baseball growing up. I played it all my life. I still play it. Um, but the Yankees were my team for a long time. And uh, Ryan and I were actually kind of talking about it before. But the the city ended up winning out. I mean, growing up in Northern Virginia, when the Nats became a team, it was like cool. DC finally has a team. I mean, they weren't very good, but <laughs> no, they were not. No, but I mean, it was cool to finally have 
a baseball team in your backyard. And then by 2008, you, you know, you got the new stadium. Zim hits a walk-off home run the first game. You're like, wow, this team's like, it's real. Everything is just mm-hmm. kind of just happening. And then, I mean, fast forward to 14 years later. And I mean, I'm completely in on the Nats. There's, there's no second guesses whatsoever. So it, it's cool to just, I mean, I remember them coming and been with them ever since. So I was one of the first Nats fans. Proud to say it. <laughs> That's awesome. And for a while there, Zim was kind of the only thing to root for. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Right. Yeah. And kind of like Nick, uh, I grew up a Yankees fan also. Derek Jeter was my favorite player. Um, I played on like for five years straight in Little League. I was on the Yankees. And I like wanted to be on the Yankees. I thought that was the greatest thing. Um, and then when the Nats came here, slowly started becoming a Nats fan. And then um, I was a junior in high school when uh, Bryce made his debut. <clears throat> you know, being 17 when like a 19-year-old's in professional baseball, like that kind of really got me going. I was like, that guy's my age. Like he's on the Nats. And that's what really got me going and uh, invest in the Nats as I am today. And, uh, yeah, here we are. Things are looking a lot better than they were when they started. And uh, hopefully great years to come. Hopefully yeah, Ryan, so. that could have been you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a Northern Virginia native, too. I grew up in Loudoun County, um, and I grew up an Orioles fan because they were the closest closest team that we had. My brother and I, my brother's a year older than me, and we collected baseball cards, and we, we loved the Orioles. And, and as time went by, I've always been a D.C. sports fan, and I never could really – could really love the Orioles the way I loved the other teams because I just, it didn't feel right. And I kind of fell away from baseball for a while because there was no team here. And when the Nats came to town, it was just so awesome to have baseball back again. And of course they were terrible for a while. Mm -hmm. And uh, now it's a totally different story, but you know, I, I was watching and paying attention. It was really 2012. That was the year that did it for me too. The, uh, (laughs) I remember the game where Bryce (laughs) stole home and I was like, Oh God, I got to start paying more attention to what's going on here. And and, yeah, yeah. uh, I've, I've been crying since 2012. So yeah. 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 (laughs) And I'll tell you, I was hoping that before we did our first recording today, that Bryce would have signed somewhere so that we would we would have that to talk about but maybe we yeah. are in limbo on that's yeah maybe maybe it'll happen while we're recording the podcast so we can break some news oh, yeah. that'd be great now we're talking that would be fun. <laughs> all right cool so um all of us came to the Nats from different teams and uh you know it's such a young franchise but certainly fun to watch and a lot of good things I feel like last year was such a disappointment but you know I feel like this year we've got we've got a real shot to to have a great team so um let's get to the off season um favorite move we want to talk about you got um what do you think nick you want to go first what was your favorite off season move? yeah so i think a lot going into the off season there was a lot of the uncertainty on how the nats and mike rizzo specifically were going to approach the off season was it going to be an all-out pursuit of bryce was it going to be and eh, we don't really need bryce um, and I mean, that's pretty much how the off season has gone for pretty much all 30 teams. Do we need Bryce or do we not need Bryce? Um, but my favorite move was actually the obvious one, which is Patrick Corbin. Um, I think this move uh, spoke volume for how the Nats want to approach not only this season, but moving forward. One, they weren't going to let Bryce's decision derail them from their off season plan. They went out, they got their guy in Patrick Corbin. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that 
Gio was a world beater last year, but we needed that lefty in the rotation. Um, so not only did we go get a lefty, we got the best one available. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, a huge move. move. Exactly. I mean, obviously getting Bryce back would be the best move possible. That should be everyone's answer. But for any, pretty much any other situation, if your team got Patrick Corbin in the off season, your, your team had an A plus off season. I yeah. mean, the guy, and there were a lot of other good moves too, but you're right. right absolutely. For, um, I'm very glad it didn't end with just Patrick Corbin, but that was the one to me where it's like, wow, the Nats finally aren't messing around. They're not trying yeah. to be the team that, is $90 million under their, the salary Ugh. cap. They're, they're, they have money to spend. They're going to spend it. Patrick Corbin, phenomenal sign signing. He's coming in. He doesn't have to be the guy. I'm sure he loves that situation. He can just yeah, go out there a third, every fifth day. Uh, yeah. You know, and it may be a second, but, you know, I don't think I'm yeah. ready to go there with Strasburg yet. It could be a third <laughs> when you're as good as him. I mean, I think it makes the Nats rotation one of the best, in, you know, the, oh, one of the best going forward. And they, you know, starting pitching was a great strength for them for a long time. And last year, it didn't feel so much like it. So mm-hmm. I'm really glad they went out and, yeah. and made that move. Yeah, I'm glad they they readdressed it and they didn't stop there. They got Sanchez. They just got Helixson back. So it, yeah. It's re-upping that strength that we've built our, our success on for the past few years. Mm-hmm. Ryan, what's your favorite? Um, my biggest fear coming to the offseason was that they were going to wait out Bryce before they make any moves. Um, yep. This was going to take a while, so I'm pretty happy they did it. But my favorite move, move is uh, honestly Dozier. <clears throat> um, it's a one-year, like, $9 million contract. He's a year removed from his last healthy season. That was 34 home runs. He won the gold glove. Um, I think that's going to be pretty important. Um, I think he's going to be the guy who replaces Bryce's power. Bryce does leaves. And also, it's a bridge year for Keevum. So I think having him at second, uh, mm-hmm. grab out great defense. Honestly, all around the infield, you have four good infielders, which not a lot of teams can say. No. So I think when he's healthy, his bat and his defense is going to be a huge addition in this lineup going yeah. God, can you imagine having to see Wilmer Defoe all year? Jesus. <laughs> that's a, that's another point. It puts Defoe to uh, his like tenth man off the bench role, which he's decent at. Yeah, it, it one of the things that drove me crazy with the offseason last year was Rizzo's reluctance to address the bullpen, like actually address the bullpen mm-hmm. and not just like give flyers to some guy who hasn't pitched in five years. <laughs> right. So. And the quote that always drove me crazy was, we trust the guys we have. Like, Jay Cole the deserves a shot. <laughs> the, oh the How much guys... evidence to the contrary do you need before you – Exactly. The like, the guys, we, the guys we have and had weren't working, so clearly something needed to be done. So, to Ryan's point, the Brian Dozier move wasn't Rizzo saying, we trust the guys we have in Defoe and even Howie Kendrick. It's yeah. – yeah, Dozier could technically still be considered a flyer, but it's a lot better than what we have right now. So I, yeah, I really like it. And if he rounds it. back into form, I mean, that's what yeah. you, you know, you are taking a little bit of a risk with the injury history, but, you know, he, he's still the same guy. It's not like he forgot how to play second base. Exactly. He's healthy, you've, got, you've made a really significant upgrade there. And if he, if he doesn't, he still struggles. It's a one-year contract, and he's gone. Right. Right. Then There's very little keyboard. downside. And yeah. I like Kendrick a lot. You know, that was a mm-hmm. devastating injury he had last year. And But I don't like him as our number one. I don't like him as the everyday guy. It's, it's, he's older. It's too much injury history. Yeah, he's, he's too, a, much of a, too much of a question mark. Yeah, he's a perfect first guy off the bench. Yeah. Um, and I yeah. love him as the guy off the bench. I don't love yeah. him as the mm-hmm. everyday second. Yeah, no, he definitely still has value. 
Yeah, for sure. So I like both. Uh, obviously, Corbin and Dozier are great. Um, I, I like the Rosenthal move a lot. But Ooh. when I went to go pick my favorite, I think it's the platooning Gomes and Suzuki at catcher because very important. I, I like was worried it. They were going to go all in on Real Muto, which obviously the guy's a beast. But I really want them to re-sign Harper, and that was never going to happen if they got Real Muto. So, and I like Suzuki. I think he's he's really good. And and neither Gomes nor Suzuki, I think, have you know 150 games in them. So right. I I love the idea of platooning that with two good hitters. Two good game callers. I love the way Suzuki calls a game. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. Gomes as much. Of course, we had to ask you before, but I love that move at catcher, and I love yeah. the Rosenthal move. It's it's a nice balance at catcher because Suzuki proved when he's playing less, he's going to be great offensively, and like uh-huh. numbers are better than real mute offensively. And then Gomes is statistically the best defensive catcher. So I think yeah. they have a really nice balance there because the catcher spot's been the black hole for the last two. It years. has. And, you know, some yeah. catchers do better with – some pitchers do better with specific catchers. And I like yeah, having right. the option. You can be like, this guy does better with Suzuki, so he's going to catch this guy. I don't think there's a problem with that. Some people seem to think that's a – like you shouldn't have a specific catcher, but I don't know why. That's, that's why Jose Lobaton had a job for so long. Right. Because exactly. Gio loved him for some reason. Yeah. Whatever re- – I mean, maybe that speaks to why Gio's numbers were so bad. I don't know. Yeah, but. that's a really good point. I really thought about it. But. Yeah, so there no. were a lot of good moves. This, I think that it's been a – I'm going to call it an A offseason. If they can re-sign Bryce, it's an A++++ offseason. Yeah, I, I'll give it an A, but that tiny little asterisk in the, in the corner because, yeah, obviously, I mean, you, you even see teams coming out, out of the woodwork now like the Giants because they see what? Bryce is still available. So why not check in if it's taking this I long? Have a, I have a hot take theory on, on what's going to happen with Bryce. I think that he's not going to get the AAV he wants for a long-term deal and that he's going to wind up maybe signing a shorter-term deal than anybody thought, like a five years or six or seven with an option, like after yeah. four or something like that. Mm-hmm. I've always had the opinion that – Mainly for Bryce, Machado kind of falls into that category, too, that no matter what happened, they were going to opt out after one or two years. Yeah, that's what uh, they want. They want an opt right. out. Right. Yeah. yeah, so I, that's why I always thought, even from the basically the end of the season, that I thought Bryce would re-sign just because he doesn't want to be that bad guy just yet. Yeah. He wants to see if he can win one for DC so that his yeah. conscience is kind of cleared before he leaves. Because – I think it's pretty obvious he wants to be on the West Coast. Like, the guy just wants to go home. Right, he wants yeah. to go home. And you can't so, blame it, him. You, you can't blame him for that. But it it also kind of is nice and sort of reassuring to see the guy, like, still cares about the city. Yeah. And he, he will feel bad if he does leave. And so. he's only 26. If I, were, if I were him, I would at least be thinking about the possibility of, look, this free agent market sucks. Right, and after the new CBA is negotiated, exactly. maybe mm-hmm. that the situation will be better. Maybe take yeah. a three or four year deal, hit free agency again when you're thirty. Yeah, you know he's going to get paid a pile of money regardless. I just, if I were him, I'd at least be considering the possibility of waiting for a better market to sign a bigger deal. Absolutely, and I mean, you can kind of look. Right, he's going to get more money than JD Martinez, but JD Martinez got five for one twenty five, but he still got the opt outs after year two and three. Right, so. Uh, not the money wise or the AEV wise, but some sort of contract that's yeah, similar but the to that. Ability is is worth a lot too. It's not all right. Like the absolutely. Dollars, you know? Yeah. So yeah, yeah I, I I can see that. And plus, I mean, we're 
in the second week of February right now. So I can't believe how many guys are still on the market. Exactly. The craziest thing I've ever seen. Well, exactly. Good segment for, uh, I mean, good transition for our next segment. Right. Yeah, that's the free true. agency stuff. We might have already <laughs> transitioned into it without, <laughs> without talking about it. But yeah, it's, it's, so it's a really interesting. Last year was a, was a weak free agency market. This one's worse. Yeah. Cause last year, everyone was hiding behind the, the, the guys that, Oh, we're waiting for Bryson Machado, so we don't want to spend money this year. Right. And now we're in Bryson Machado, and it's like, oh, name your excuse, A, B, C, D. Like, it's just the owners, the revenue's never been higher, but the the cheapness of the owners has never been higher as well. Yeah, last year was, like, the least they've ever spent in, like, correlation to the revenue and everything. So right. So, literally saw oh, we're not spending money. We're still going to get $11 billion in revenue. Like, that's like $400 million a team. They're going to keep doing that until something Right. Changes. If they can get away with it, they will. But I also yeah. see the owner's side of it. What You know, look at the long-term deals that have been signed. Look at these big, huge long-term deals. They're albatrosses for the teams after the, you know, four or five years. So you well, have see, to lot- think, what do you, you know, if you're an owner, don't you look at that and think, let's just try to readjust the market to shorter-term deals. See, I, I think those are kind of a little different than what we're seeing here because you look like Albert Pujols was what thirty-two. Cano was yeah, I would agree. Miguel well, Perez he was, was he was thirty, and then it turned out he was a lot older than he said he yeah. was. But go ahead. So like those guys <laughs> yeah. were in like the tail end of their peak going towards the right. years. We have two guys who just turned twenty-six who yeah. haven't hit their peak yet and are generational talents. So I think that's a completely different situation. It is. And yeah. them being available and still on the 10th of February has completely skewed yeah. the whole free agency market this year. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, a Keikel, a Kimbrel yeah. can't sign I mean, until Nobody until, wants to pay those right. guys until they know if they're going to have our Exactly. I, and I think it's the – we're – not we, but, like, we as a collective, like, fan base of baseball have been waiting for the Phillies to spend the money that everyone said they were going to spend. And I can see, like, they don't want to go just sign Keiko, sign Kimbrel if they still have a chance on Harper and Machado. Yeah. So, it, I mean, can we just I go get on it. record as saying they don't want to play there, obviously. Like, if, if they're willing to spend and neither of those guys have signed there, maybe they just don't want to play in Philly. There's, I mean, yeah. There's been like three or four reports that say Bryce isn't too keen on living in Philly. Um, but every Philly fan will lose their mind and dispute that. So, I mean, it's, it's just interesting. Yeah. It, it's there's it's a problem, and I think no matter what happens, they're going to want that early opt out if they don't. I mean, it's either going to be like a one or two year deal, or it's going to be a longer deal with an early opt out because they're going to want to hit free agency basically right as soon as that new CBA comes exactly. into play. Well, so. Speaking of which, I mean, we're on the midnight train towards a lockout right now. Like, yeah, we are. Yeah, they're not reaching uh, agreement on that. Yeah, half street high heat where we we talk about the hard hitting issues. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, what, speaking of hard hitting issues, now I know we've all been arguing on Twitter about the proposed rule changes, <laughs> so we can switch into that. Um, so let's start with the, let's start with the universal DH since that's the most. Yeah. We're on, we're on different sides. That, that could be a good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I am a universal D. I am a DH in general hater. I right. loathe the DH in all forms in both leagues. I can't stand it. I think it perverts the game. I think you you make it so that one one position doesn't have to play defense or doesn't have to play offense. It's ridiculous. Every position mm-hmm. on the field has its own defensive responsibilities and everybody should have to play offense. 
Right. And I, I see the point of that, but you have to look at it from like appealing to the average fan. Like people who don't like soccer don't like it because there's not enough scoring. Everyone hated the Super Bowl because there wasn't enough scoring. And like the American League has better offensive numbers about every single year. So if you get that in the National League, then there's going to be a lot more offense all around, which is why I'm for it, which would evidently help the game. Well, I mean, lowering the mound also helps <clears throat> also. But I think that and appealing to the uh, younger generation and the average fan is what the DH really plays into. Yeah, I think there's a lot of benefits to the university DH that the baseball purist or the National League purist just is either too stubborn to recognize or too stubborn to appreciate. I, I like the strategy of NL games. Like, no, I, I yeah, think absolutely. Baseball but... is just so much better. It's so much more interesting. Mm-hmm. It's so much more strategy involved. If you're a baseball fan, you know, I don't know how you could want the DH. It just takes so right. much of that away. And I, to me, the question becomes, why can't pitchers hit? Why well, can't you know, they hit? Because nobody expects them to. Every other player knows that. Look at a guy like, like Danny Espinoza. He plays great defense. He can't hit. He doesn't get to play. Like, why does a pitcher get to play if they can't? Because a pitcher can still pitch. Right, yeah, but I mean, he can still play defense too. Like he can still play his position on the field. It's part like of, they part of baseball is being able to hit. Right. So would you, let me just throw out this hypothetical. Would you be more in favor of a universal DH, say, if Danny Espinosa was your sec- or starting second baseman, if you could DH for your second baseman as no, opposed to your pitcher? That, to me, the logical endpoint of the argument that, well, pitchers can't hit, so let's hit for them because it's more fun to watch offenses, then why not do that for any position? Why not just have a defensive and an offensive squad? Like, it just, to me, the part of baseball is everybody's supposed to be able to do both. And I think saying randomly that because you're a pitcher, you don't have to hit is silly. Why is that not the case for catchers? Lots of catchers are offensive liabilities. Why, why is it different? Why can't but you none of them are as see, but none of them are as close as offensive liability as pitchers are. Like pitchers, because right. pitchers aren't Absolutely. expected to hit. They don't, they know they don't have to, even in the <clears throat> national league, people don't care. Oh, it's the pitcher. Nobody expects him to be able to hit. If you okay, but, it as I something mean, that was expected, if you want to play in the big leagues, you have to be able to hit. They'd learn how to hit. But catchers are still expected to hit. And like you said, a lot of them still suck at it. Mm -hmm. I mean, so even if you're expected to hit, that doesn't make you a good hitter. Like, you can... No, but the ones who really can't hit, the ones who would hit, you know, a hundred and... Uh, 102 batting average like a pitcher would in the national league they don't yeah. they don't make it they don't get into the league you have to at least be able to hit at an acceptable level because there's play. there's two it's, different groups i mean i saw spencer keeboom on a roster last year so i don't know what you're trying to say <laughs> i hear <laughs> you be, i'm yeah. just saying i think that in little from the little league level on if you're tagged as this kid's a pitcher they don't work on your hitting and that's yeah. i think why you see pitchers that can't hit because they're not expected to because so it, it's more of a systematic thing it's not a, a mlb specific no thing. i think that there should i think pitchers should have to hit period at all levels and if you saw that from the time kids were playing in little league then they'd be able to hit in the big leagues because the best the ones who would make it to the big leagues would be the ones that could hit and pitch well high school and college like if a kid can pitch that's all they're gonna work on right yeah that's their golden ticket too better at pitching it's because pitching is so important it's like if a guy can throw a ball a mile and he can't catch they're not gonna play wide receiver they're gonna put them behind quarterback try and mold them into a better quarterback 
It's like right. No, I see what you're saying, but you also have to be able to play all the aspects of your position. I don't know. I we'll just have to agree to disagree. I hate the DH. I think there's no reason why pitchers should be the only position on the field that's not expected to play on. You see a ton of guys whose sole value is at the plate, and they are an absolute liability. Right, and the other way around, you see great defensive players who can't. No, yeah, absolutely. But But those guys don't get to be in the league unless there's a DH. Like if you. But I, I think that's a good thing. I think a DH, a DH literally creates jobs for some people. Mm-hmm. Not only that, you get some of the greatest hitters of all time who bring fans to the game. Edgar Martinez, most recently, David Ortiz. I mean, Ryan pointed out that the AL ha- consistently has better offensive numbers. It's no surprise that the DH contributes to that. And in, for the National League, some benefits of the universal DH, first and foremost, you don't get pitchers hurt. Like, if the pitcher doesn't have to hit or run the bases, granted, yes, they don't work on it that much because that's not really what they're expected to do. But, right, I mean, but they still you still f- see free. Every other ball player also wouldn't get hurt as much if they didn't well, have to hit. Right. But, I mean, think about it. You Maybe some freak injury that happened last year for the Nats could have been prevented if the guy was just DHing for the day and wasn't in the field. Right. I mean, think of how much different the season would have gone if we had one more piece that didn't get hurt from a freak injury in any of the past 14 years that the Nats have been a team. Yeah. Or if Max I just feel like Nets that's part of baseball, and well. every player takes that risk. Every time they get on the field, you can always risk it. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, see the, th- the argument. I just Maybe I'm just a purist. I don't like the pitcher and being that's exempted fine. I can... from the same risks and the same expectations right. as every other player. I can appreciate the baseball purists, absolutely. But the the ones I, I struggle with are the people who say, oh, the NL has, like, leaps and bounds more strategy. Yes, the NL has strategy, but how many pitchers do you see go up there and they're literally just waiting for the at-bat to end? They're literally just standing with the bat on the shoulder, <laughs> hoping the pitcher throws them three strikes. There's not much strategy for a manager to do again, when you do Alan. that. I but just, then, I love when you, you've got a guy, like you've got Scherzer on the mound and it's the bottom of the seventh and he's at 82 pitches and his spot's coming up in the order. Maybe Scherzer's a bad example. Yeah, a but bit, I, I get the saying. point. Yeah, like, I get the me, point. I love that. I love that about National League Baseball. But I, I, I would I, be so sad to see it gone. I, I get that point, but the saying there's so much more strategy is just, it doesn't resonate well, with me because because and, you know uh, managing your bullpen and how many times can your well managing your bullpen is no one can uh, do that yeah, you, <laughs> fair especially not Davey hey <laughs> um but managing your bullpen is is a league-wide thing it's not specific to it the is, nl and plus in the national league and plus i mean you're not most relievers don't pitch even in the al most relievers don't pitch multiple innings anyways so like there's going to be a change no matter what so the manager just looks to see who's on his bench and then picks a guy because he has to because he's not going to bat a relief pitcher which so brings us to that, that next that's proposed more, rule yeah. change let's uh, go yeah. into that <laughs> okay what about the three batter minimums um i i personally like it um i saw this uh graph on the on internet saying like teams are using at a record low the one and done like more teams are having to face multiple batters anyways like the Nats Nats actually had uh the third most times a reliever face only one batter um I would like to see a good stat Ryan Um, Nugget yes (laughs) (laughs) I I would like to see this go into effect like you look at the playoffs like their guys come in they face one batter 
it's a pitching change. It's a commercial. Mm-hmm. The guy comes in, faces. Yeah, another it does batter. make playoff baseball just like almost unwatchable. Like, it, yeah, yeah. It's the MLB equivalent to the extra point commercial kickoff extra point. I think it's yeah. completely <laughs> unnecessary. And hey, like if a guy's like you say like, oh, well, if he's getting hit around, you can fake an injury. Like there's an injury loophole to get out of it. But I think that's a pretty good, pretty good rule change. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I think it's we're on the right track. I don't think it's I think there's still a lot of loopholes. Like, for instance, say a guy goes in instantly double next guy home run like the guy clearly doesn't have it right so... that's the part that gets me is you can't pull a guy who goes out there and he just doesn't have it that day. yeah ex- in for three batters I don't exactly know and it's like the the pitch clock thing like on the right track but you can just reset the pitch clock by throwing over to first like yeah. it, there's a right. loophole and so they're on the right track i don't know if this is it there i i would need to see the specifics to the rule but I mean, I like it because the the one and done is just it's it's awful. I it mean, you see awful. you guys throwing throwing one pitch, giving up a hit, and then they're done. Like I, I think there needs to be a little bit more than just that. Maybe see to me, I don't like this rule for a few reasons. One of them you just hit on. I, if your guy goes out there and he just doesn't have it, and he's he's you know he's let, giving up hits, mm-hmm. you can't just mm-hmm. leave a guy out there. And I also feel like all of this is this pace of play stuff and yeah i don't like it that shaving 10 minutes off of a three and a half hour baseball game is going to bring any more fans to the game so Mm -hmm. and and you know i don't see these people who love the the instant replay has added tons of time to the games and -hmm. it breaks up the it breaks up the routine it gets the pitcher cold while you're sitting there for five minutes waiting for a, a call from new york you know, so mm-hmm. I, I like the getting the calls right. I don't like the time that the the replay takes. And if you're trying to shave time off, that's the obvious place is baseball existed a long time without replay. Right. Or make it so only a few things are re- maybe home run calls are reviewable. You know, that kind of thing. Like, just don't make every single thing. Those neighborhood plays at second base. Make those unreviewable. That's yeah. where half of the ones are is who's safe at first and what did he come off the bag at second. But it's hard to pick one thing and say this is reviewable, but another and say it's not. I mean, because say an umpire calls a guy safe when he wasn't, next guy hits yeah. a home run and your team loses. I mean, yep. no, it's not. So it, it's hard to pick and choose. Forever until a couple of years ago. Okay. So. Well, baseball, use, back in the day, you used to be able to request the pitch underhand and request where the pitch was thrown i mean so clearly yes. rule changes can be good now, they're that's not all fine. of them and i'm not even necessarily advocating for those things to not be reviewable i'm just saying if they wanted to make shave time off games i think you can tweak yeah. the instant replay stuff yeah. the three batter yeah. minimum i just i don't like i don't like that rule at all i i, I think yeah like you said mm-hmm. you can always get around it anyway and it's mm-hmm. just one of those things where especially at the end of an inning like you're not going to bring a guy into finish the seventh because you had two guys on and you have a lefty up and then expect him to start against the middle yeah, exactly. order, two righties in the next inning. You know, I just, I don't like, well, the rule, the rule was three batters or the end of an inning. Oh, okay. okay. I didn't yeah. See the end of an inning. Yeah. I didn't that see that either. A little bit, but I still just, I think it's yeah. too much micromanaging. I think you need to give the managers the ability to make more choices, but I, I see where they're going with it. And I don't even disagree that it's an issue, but I don't think this is the right yeah, I, yeah, like I said, I think they're on the right track, but this isn't exactly what it needs to be. But the, I mean, I think the overarching issue that people want to nitpick about these proposed rule changes, but the overarching issue, at least from the MLB's eyes, is they're trying to get like the average fan of an MLB 
fan is like in the mid 50s now Mm -hmm. so they're trying to bring that down so i think a lot of this is focused on shortening the games even though i think most of us here agree that they don't need to be shortened and even if they do shorten them it's not going to be like a significant difference wouldn't eliminating the dh make the game shorter since there wouldn't they wouldn't be able to change the pitchers so often well, wouldn't no? I think the DH having the DH would make the game shorter because there wouldn't be so much switching all the time. Mm. I don't know. I can but see it I, both ways. Yeah, American League games are about nine minutes faster. By the way. Yeah, I'm talking about playoffs. I'm thinking playoffs. Well, you have to know people watching. <laughs> they are not shorter in the book. Talking about half street high heat. And nine minutes. Like, what the hell is nine minutes? Who cares? Like, you're yeah, not no, bringing that, more that, people in to watch the game because it's That hard. part I can agree with. But they want to bring the the average age of a fan down, which I get. Like, if you love baseball, you're going to love baseball for what it is, no matter what the product mm-hmm. is. Like, that. that's just how like the three of us and most people who like baseball are, but they're trying to bring in that casual fan, that borderline fan. So the way you do that is more offense yeah. and yeah. like less changes where you have to like, ex- where the casual fan might not understand what's going on. So I think that's mainly what these rule changes are geared towards. I, I am sensitive to that. I just don't know that making the game, doing a lot of things that make the game worse in for most of the people who really love and understand the game. Is it worse though? I think that's kind of what we're what we're debating right here. Yeah. I don't think I don't think these rules are necessarily worse. I'm not saying it's going to make the game the best highest rated sport ever, but I I'm not going to say that they're worse because I don't think they are. Yeah, I think some of it for the what about the other one we didn't talk about yet? The penalties for teams uh, yes, we, games. that to me makes it work. <laughs> this this oh oh I I like this I like this a lot. I All think right, it's it. I think it's a good start. Um, it'll definitely it'll definitely help free agency. Um, there's something they definitely mm-hmm. got to tinker on though. But Nick, you can go on to your point. So I like this a lot because. I I would consider I don't mean to branch out into a different sport, but I would consider myself a casual NBA fan. But mm-hmm. it's almost become unwatchable for me because you have the super teams. You have mm-hmm. it is so extremely top heavy that you know. I mean, I'll use last year; it's probably a better example. You know, the LeBron James Cavaliers and the Steph Curry Warriors are inevitably going to be the two best teams and rise to the top because they've been the best teams all year. There's the no competition. Yeah, there's no suspense. There's nothing. Yeah, it's very so, boring. So, so I think I, and I, it's easier with the NBA because you only have a starting five with baseball. Obviously, your rosters are bigger, your starting lineups bigger. There's much more that goes into a game to determine the impact. But I think we're slowly heading towards that path where you have the Red Sox, the Yankees, all the time, and then you have the Dodgers, the Cubs, all the time, mm-hmm. and. I wish I could include the Nats in that conversation, I but wish. I mean, <laughs> but I, I think we were slowly leaning or pushing towards that, that future. And I didn't like it at all. So I, I, I like this because I, I don't, I think it's a losing draft picks for not winning enough games in a certain amount of time. I don't know the specifics of the proposed rule, but basically one, it either encourages teams to spend money because obviously spending money usually means winning more games than you normally do. Mm-hmm. Like what, 
the Orioles won what like fifty seven games last year, <laughs> and how many moves have they made this off season? Uh, they, they they got a new coach. <laughs> yeah, did they? Yeah, did they? Did they hire anyone? I mean, but that's my point. Like, they won a league low of games for like it was a just awful, awful season, and they have done nothing to improve the product mm-hmm. on the field. So I think this is that's but where this you, rule comes in. Differentiation between a team that decided they're not going to spend money and they're not going to win, or one that that you know suffers a devastating series of injuries and doesn't win enough games. I well, just so can't that's be so, punishing a team. But so I think Ryan, I'm just going to add in one more point. Mm-hmm. I think again, I agree with Ryan. It's it's on the right track, but not there yet. And I think that's a that's what a lot of these rules are. They're just kind of ideas. They're not fine tuned yet. But I think having a salary cap minimum that was what I was gonna say w- I would help a lot than the pet penalty for not so yeah let's say hypothetically the cap is like two hundred million the floor would be like eighty to ninety million I mean the owners have the money that's right. that I just drives me crazy based on the amount like of the market the or something of revenue that you have right. to spend on player salaries mm-hmm. yeah because they're I mean, look at, I think the AL Central, I mean, there's a lot of hype around the White Sox, but I think the AL Central is like the perfect example. You have the Indians who have gotten worse this offseason, but they're still not sweating at all because the other four teams at the division are absolute garbage. Yeah, must be nice. So, yeah. So, but if the other four teams made, like, even if they're kind of average moves, you would still kind of be like excited, and those fans would be excited for the product that's yeah. coming to their stadium. It must yeah. but, to be a fan of a team that doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's why I'm no longer a Redskins fan. You, <laughs> but uh, no, Ryan, go ahead. See, I I like this because it's trying to prevent teams from doing what the Marlins did. The Marlins yep. had Yelich, Stanton, Real Muto. And uh, Ozuna on the same team and just yeah. trade all them. And how them. did they not ever win anything? Yeah, with all those guys real. On the same team? Because real talk, that that team would have been stupid good. All they needed was like a couple more pitchers, and obviously yeah. losing Jose Fernandez like that that set them back. But yeah, like, I think that kind of like went spiraled you, everything. When your star player goes, "Hey, why don't we keep this core together? We just need a couple pitchers," and your owner is like, "No, yeah, yep, an issue." Um, so yep. it's preventing teams from doing what the Marlins do, doing what the Orioles are doing, and basically the entire American League, because there's like four or five yeah. teams in the yeah. NL. So like, if and you look some at of them are spending so little money. I mean, it's like in the like payrolls yeah, in the it's 80s, a joke. 70s, yeah. 80s. And like the Nats, Nats were like devastated by injuries last year, but they still won 82 games. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's saying that they want to see teams actually attempt to win instead of just selling off everything and waiting. Because these teams are trying to get draft picks, which I don't really understand because it takes like five years for a draft pick. Right. It's not like the NFL where you're going to have a guy. Yeah, it's not an instant. I know it's like you're tanking trying to get like some next huge like quarterback or someone out. Like, yeah, that takes time. That's the beginning to get teams, everyone around the league to actually start spending the money they have. And I agree with the I agree with the the goal of keeping teams from doing that. But I think Mm -hmm. that the, the minimum spending requirement is a better way to do it i agree i like the idea of, i don't like i like the fact that there's no real salary cap there's the luxury tax that's acting sort of like a de facto salary cap but there's no minimum and that's what they need to say any team who's going to share revenue is going to spend a you know a specific at least a specific percentage of that on player salaries right and i, I think it was specifically worded like this because one i mean if if 
it was just proposed as you have to spend this amount of money no matter what. I don't think owners would go for that. Yeah. So I think it was worded like this to like make it seem nicer to the owners mm-hmm. and kind of leaving it vague and like, hey, you can spend money, you can rely on the guys you have, but no matter what, you have to win X amount of games. Yeah. So I think that's a nicer way of saying it, but I think it's, hey, like you pretty much have to spend money to mm-hmm. win this amount of games. Yeah. I got it. Well, it's good to know that on our first episode here, we all vehemently disagree with each other about almost all of the rules changes. Yeah, it's even better to know that I was right on every single thing I said. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it helps my ego a little bit. <laughs> all right, well, let's move on to the next topic, which is let's give our ideal opening day lineups for the Nats with or without Bryce Harper. Okay. Um, oh, God, imagining a life without Bryce Harper. I don't want to do it. I don't want to go there. It's the worst. All right, who wants to start? So I'll do one without Bryce. Okay. Um. So I'll have I would have Eaton, Trey, Rendon, Soto, Soto, excuse me, Dozier, Zim, Gomes. I would bat the pitcher in the eight, and then have Robles bat ninth. Um. I just I haven't really seen anything from him, but I think with his speed and what he can do, he could be basically a second leadoff hitter. So I like to see him down in the nine hole. But besides that, it's basically just a regular lineup. And then you have Bryce. You put him at the three spot, bump everyone else down, and still have Robles batting ninth. Interesting. Yeah, I think that, I mean, that's, there's not, without Bryce, there's not many decisions to be made. I mean, you could argue that you have, oh, God, I don't even want to venture into the Michael A. Taylor stands, but uh-huh. you could argue that Michael A. should start over Robles because Robles is unproven. I would not argue that because that is a dumb argument. Um, I would rather see what Robles can do as an everyday starter um, just off the bat, and maybe you get something like Soto did last year. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with Ryan. I, I would do the pretty much the exact same thing. I Dozier's going to be your starting second baseman. I don't think Howie or Defoe um, like take over that anytime soon or at all for that matter. Um, depending on the pitcher, the day, whatever it may be, um, you have Adams to platoon with Zim. You have Suzuki to platoon with Gomes. Um, that's really your decision based on the pitcher, both our pitcher and the preference at catcher and then uh, the opposing pitcher on whether you want a righty or lefty bat. Um, with Bryce, you kind of have a decision to make in the outfield. Um, it's a good problem to have, but in my mind, obviously you're starting Bryce and you're starting rope or uh, excuse me, you're starting Soto. Mm-hmm. So really, it comes down to Robles, Eaton, and just for the sake of argument, you have Michael A. Taylor too. And yeah, I mean, I don't even think he in that you can really put, <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you can put Howie Kendrick in that argument too. Cause he, who knows, he, maybe he, he picks up right where he left off and he's a huge catalyst for this team. You don't know. And plus it's not like Soto's providing you anything defensively. You really just wanted his bat in the lineup. So, yeah. I mean, there's more of an argument to have. The thing is, I think if they were getting so deep into the off season and we're basically at spring training now, anyways, that it, it's hard to see any of the outfielders getting moved at this point. But if they did re-sign Bryce and they were expecting to keep him for a long time, not just a year or two, I think Eaton gets moved. Absolutely. Um, it, it's going to take a, a kind of a gut check for Rizzo to just basically admit that that trade, 
even though it hasn't worked out for the White Sox, it's he would be essentially admitting the trade was a bust um, because obviously it's injuries. It's not like Eaton just sucked. It was a lot of, to do with injuries. Yeah. But you're basically saying that trade didn't work. We're moving on from it, which is going to take a lot. We haven't really had anything like that happen, not to this extent, yeah. at least. I'm not so... really ready to give up on Eaton yet. I feel oh, like me neither. He's been healthy. He's been, he's been really, really good. And I, finding a good leadoff hitter is not easy. No, we had a no, spot was a black hole for three years. Right. You know, and it's nice. And I love Eaton and Turner together at the top. Right. Of the oh, absolutely. Turner benefits so much from Eaton just being a vet and batting leadoff mm-hmm. and just getting on base. And Turner can just, he's still so young. Like he's not he this experienced vet. So he just benefits so much from Eaton batting ahead of him. Yeah, I agree. But it's he's just, a good you, leadoff hitter, but I, I think he's better in the two holes. Right. But when you have five to six competent to, obviously, if you have Bryce, amazing outfielders and players to have in your lineup, you would rather trade probably your best piece that you're willing to trade, and which is probably Eaton, and get depth somewhere else if you can rely on the rest of your yeah. outfielders to perform. So I'm not saying I want to. I'm just saying if that it they could, can, it could if, come yeah, down. yeah, that's probably what it's going to come to if they are expecting Bryce to stay around. Well, yeah, I time. mean, if, if they do resign Bryce, they're just going to look at it from a salary perspective. It's gonna, yeah, that too. Yeah, nine million or league minimum, and league minimum is going to win out, and so Eaton would be the odd man out, and they try to ship him out. And plus, like, yeah, and he if has you, some trade value, I think. It, yeah, he would have a still ton got, of what, trade two value. Or three, three years left of team control still. I, I believe this is his third year. So, like, let's say he, he gets has, traded around the All Star break. It's like two and a half. Yeah. He has this season, then two uh, arbitration, option, and then a oh, okay. uh, player option. Yeah. Gotcha. Got it. So, yeah, I'd yeah. Eaton Turner at the top. And then if there's no Bryce, I'd hit Rendon in the three spot. Mm-hmm. Um, Soto cleanup. And then I like Robles. <laughs> I, I think I'd like to put him in the middle of the lineup down at the bottom. He's not going to, not going to see much to hit. So I'd like to see him in the middle where he's actually going to see some. Interesting. Although I like, you know, Dozier or Zim maybe next. I, you know, it depends on Zim. Sometimes he's just hot as can be at the plate. And then, you know, I'd love to see him hitting behind, you know, Robles so they can't pitch around him or hitting behind Soto. So they can't pitch around him. You know, I, I kind of have him up there somewhere in that five, six spot. Um, I like Scherzer. If he's pitching, I would maybe hit eight and yeah. then have somebody behind him. If it's the weaker ones, I always hit the pitcher spot last. I kind of like the idea of hitting Robles down in the nine hole to see what would happen, but I don't know. I'm kind of a traditionalist. I, think, I like that pitcher at the bottom right. thing. So I, th- I think that's hole. what Davey's going to do. Should Robles be in like, let's say the opening day lineup, I think Robles bats ninth, but you make a, an interesting point where you want Robles sort of in the middle so he actually sees some pitches to hit so i wonder if in a world without bryce we go eaton turner rendon and then let's say adams just to break it up a little bit and then you go like soto whatever but then you go like robles in front of dozier and yeah, so they have maybe to that... hitting well, then they have right. to pitch to they have to pitch to Robles. And yeah, exactly. I just feel like so... you're not going to be able to evaluate him. He's kind of on the cusp. I feel like he might need a little more seasoning, and it would be good yeah. to see what he's got. If he's down at the bottom of the order, I don't know that you're going to be able to evaluate him all that effectively. Yeah, I agree. I, I like that a lot. I don't know that that's what Davey's going to do, but I, I like that idea. 
All right. Well, before we move on to our next topic, I just want to stop quickly and uh, tell everybody who's listening here about the library of podcasts from the DMV Sports Network. We've got nine active podcasts right now. Um, We've got Redskins, Capitals, Nationals, Wizards, and Ravens. Um, Also, Fantasy Fever that talks about all things fantasy football. There's a couple of shows that cover a mixed bag of sports, the About Time DC show and the Dom and Thunder show, as well as a debate show, the DMV Dispute, which is available via live stream on Twitter. Um, These are all available wherever you find your podcasts, so check them out. And if you like any of them or ours, please uh, leave us a review, subscribe. We really appreciate that. So let's move on to talk about the, we talked about lineups. What about the rotation? What do you guys think about the ideal rotation going into the year? We've got Mm -hmm. some kind of options down at the bottom. Yeah, it's nice to finally have options. I know, it was a hard year for the back of the rotation last year. Yeah, it's a hard year for all of us. <laughs> um, I think the top four are pretty obvious. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. It's going to be Max, Ross, Corbin, Sanchez. Um, you get to the fifth spot. There is a couple questions. Uh, personally, I'd like to see Helix in there. Um, I think Joe Ross would be great longman out of the bullpen to let Fetty go down to AAA. Um, and then what really sold me about this was if that was the Nats rotation last year, Max, Ross, Corbin, Sanchez, and Helixson. Oof. Uh, Different year. (laughs) Yeah, like their team year, like the array last year for starting pitchers amongst them would have been 305. (laughs) One of the best last year was 316. So, like, that's a world of a difference. Yeah. And I think just them five going healthy would be really good. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I I thought he showed something last year. You know, he was was better than I had expected him to be, and I would definitely keep him in that fifth spot. Yeah, like in 2017, he got a qualifying offer. So clearly, whatever, I think it was the Phillies, didn't want him to go. He accepted it, and then he just happened to hit the free agency of nothing where no one was getting paid. So he signed a minor league deal with the Nats, and it was one of the best moves we made last year. Yeah, I agree. So, it was, just, it was so, literally two freak injuries that kind of ruined the season for him. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think bringing him back is absolutely the right and move. And such a cheap deal. I mean, there's a no-brainer. Yeah, the, the, yeah, there's no risk involved in <laughs> yeah. it whatsoever. Um, so I think he absolutely has to be penciled into that fifth spot. And should yeah. you have an injury, God forbid. And I think I mean, Ross is going to be hitting have... limited this year with the with Yeah, the I believe so. guy out of the pen is a perfect spot for him, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And plus, I I liked the deal. I don't know if anything will ever come of it, but they gave a minor league deal to Henderson Alvarez. He's kind of, I mean, he hasn't been relevant since like 2015 with the Marlins, but he was an all-star and he had pretty good numbers. So it just has a, a nice flyer extra on option. That. And down yeah, just as a flyer on that. He's something to keep your eye on. I don't know if it'll ever turn into anything. But it's just one of those moves. It's like, hmm, maybe you see this payoff down the line. Yeah. And there will be injuries. So having success <laughs> is good. Last year, we really didn't strong. have any. I mean, Austin Voss. So, you know. Ryan, you, you take that back. There, we'll see Fetty before too long. Somebody's going to no, get uh-uh. tweets, you know. Uh-uh. No, I do not want to see Fetty We will, too though. Long. There aren't any No. <laughs> I won't look. We, we all know who we're talking about when we're talking about potential injuries. Yeah, unless it's, it's gonna, somebody else, though. It's <laughs> going to be Ryan Lore if you don't stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we have a big Fetty fan here, obviously. Oh, yeah, that doesn't compare to some other players on the team. Mike Lake Taylor. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's go on to talk about – we have a few Twitter questions come in. 
um, for us to talk about. So we'll go. Um, let's see. What's worse? This is from Dom. What's worse? Uh, Michael A. Taylor stands or fake accounts tweeting Bryce? Uh, 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 Nick, let's talk about that. <laughs> uh, Nick, you want this one or let me take this one? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll start and then you can chime in if I, if I missed anything. But I'm going to do my best not to miss anything because this one triggers me just from reading it. So this one's from Dom and Thunder at Dom and Thunder friends from D- DMVSN. Um, it's so bad. Both of them are so bad. They're so bad. Yeah. So you have Michael A. Taylor stands who, if you don't know what they are, you probably are one. <laughs> um, and then you have fake accounts tweeting Bryce to Philly, which I mean, anything Philly is automatically bad. I don't care what you say. Um, but I think the the tiebreaker was MLB getting accounts suspended for um, tweeting fake news I'm and stuff. Wedding at that one, right? So I mean, you're plus everyone who is a legitimate reporter is afraid to get the Dan Clark treatment. Who you just get trolled into deactivating your account if you tweet anything wrong. So I, I think the answer here is Michael A. Taylor stands. And the worst kind of Michael A. Taylor stan is the ones who say we don't need Bryce because we have Michael A. Taylor. Oh. That is absolutely real humans who think that. Oh no, there are. There we should see our mentions. Are. We've <laughs> seen them. We've had to interact with them, and we've since stopped interacting with them because they're just too dumb. I don't even know to... what to say to that. I don't even know how to react to that. <laughs> yeah, the, it, it just it <laughs> just angers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, DC Nasdaq is pretty well known for that, but <laughs> no, Michael A. Taylor stands are absolutely the worst. It's it's not even close. All right, Brian. Oh, um, I'm 100% with Nick. Michael A. Taylor stands are the worst people on the internet. Um, yep. And like, it just it doesn't make sense. The guy sucks. Like, yeah, <laughs> he literally has the worst game in baseball history against the Dodgers. Oh God! Five strikeouts. And then the park walk. Yeah, and then the the error inside of the park home yeah. run to. Oh yeah. God, that was like, a bad one. And so many strikeouts. So many strikeouts. So, and he doesn't even have that many at bats. <laughs> I don't know how he strikes out so much. It's just, it's just. There's some players where I can understand like getting behind them because they have some promise or something, but like this dude's—he's never done anything. In the for the sake of being contrary, I will say I think that if he played more regularly, he might improve, and he should do that on another team. Right. Yeah, I, I, he has some value. He does. I, mean, I think for some teams who don't have the outfield depth that the Nats have, that he's right. a guy you could take a flyer on. He's got some, like he's shown the some flashes. Or like right, right. <laughs> the or, when they don't or not Harper, the Nats. Maybe he should be an, op- an option for them. But I just feel like perhaps on a team where he could get more regular playing time and be in the starting lineup well, because they suck, then maybe – he would he yeah. would improve some, but I don't think that the Nats just have no place for a guy like right. Michael. Right, and the around. one nice thing, I don't want to say nice, but the one little bone I'll throw to Michael A. Taylor is he has a good glove for the most part. Yeah, he plays in center field. Yeah, he was a Gold Glove finalist a couple of years ago. Like he Covers can play, he can play, and he steals bases. Yeah. There's a second bone. You're welcome, Michael A. Um, <laughs> he. He's, uh, he can make an MLB roster. I just don't want him on mine. Get him away. 
Yeah, I just like the Nats have so many outfielders. You know, they've got yeah. they've got and, good options, even without Bryce, because they've spent the last couple of years preparing for life without Bryce Harper. Right. And they're ready right. for it. But if they can get Bryce back, there is just zero argument that I can imagine for keeping Billy uh, Taylor. Yeah. And plus, like, I mean, he granted in the grand scheme of things, three point three, like point two five million for Michael A. Taylor isn't a lot, but you can get the exact same thing for your let's say Bryce resigns you for your fifth to sixth outfielder out of um, crap. What is that lefty's name? He played left field or like top guy in the triple a. Oh, that's going to bother me. Uh, Stevenson. Yes. Yes. Stevenson. Yeah. You you can, yeah, you can get the same thing out of him that you're going to get like that. You're expecting Michael A to provide you as your fifth or sixth outfielder. So why not trade, Michael A. For, because I do think he can have some value. Yeah, for a prospect. Or two. Like, he's yeah, exactly. So just trade him. So he's not going to get much better. Exactly. Like what you've seen so far is pretty much what you're going to get. Which so, is a guy who's maybe the third outfielder on a not so great team or a mm-hmm. bench guy off of a team that's better. And exactly. So he has trade value. Look, another bone. I'm just I'm feeling very generous today. Oh, look at that. So I know <laughs> I have a big heart. So um, yeah, I, his spot is on another roster. Bring back bullpen depth. I don't care what it is. Yeah, I'd rather have another reliever. Yeah, we don't need him as a fifth or sixth outfielder. All but. right, next one from uh, at Ov Geis here. Will <laughs> Dozier have a bounce back year? Yeah, um, I think he's a perfect candidate for it. Like if you look at his year last year, that's not who he is and he was battling the injury the entire season i think now he's had about six months to get healthy um i'll expect to see him back to normal um i think we'll get to see like over 30 home runs from him like 85 89 rbis and then hitting close to 240 because that's who he is but Mm -hmm. having like a high 300 on base and ops near 800 I think we could really expect that from him, and he'll be a really big pickup in the lineup, as I kind of mentioned earlier. Whoa, 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 Ryan. 240 is such a bad average, bro. <laughs> like, I don't understand how anyone can bat 240 and be in an MLB roster, Yeah, like, bad like come on, bro. Support stat, <laughs> yeah, I think no, we're going to see him yeah. to back to the back of the baseball card. You know, I think he's yeah. good. if he's healthy, and I, there's no reason to expect he won't be. He's had plenty of recovery time now. He's a huge improvement over second base last year. And the less Wil- Wilmer Defoe I see, the better and happier I am. Yep, absolutely. And I, I, Ryan and Amanda, you both have covered it, basically. But I think when he was – he's been in Minnesota for the majority of his career. He finished a year last year with the Dodgers, but – he was always the guy in one way or another in Minnesota. I mean, he was kind of a, a franchise face f- for them. <laughs> for them. So you know? when <laughs> when the Twins weren't doing so hot, they would want to play Dozier any chance they got because he, that's what fans recognize. That's what fans wanted. They just wanted to go see Dozier. So now that he's on the Nats, I think he has more – uh, people behind him who can give him the day off and he doesn't have mm-hmm. to play so much. He doesn't have so, to be the guy. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, so yeah, it sounds like I think we're all does. expecting good things from Dozier. Um, yep. Let's see. Next one. At any Honey Dizzle says, <laughs> what are your expectations for Robles this year? Uh, I'm pretty low. Um, I, I agree. I personally, in the long run, I think Robles is going to be a bust. Um, I don't also agree. He's going to live up to the hype, but I think he's going to have a pretty decent season where he's going to play good defense, steal 25 bases, mm-hmm. um, you know, hit for average, get on base a lot, but like not too much. 
Um, I just don't think we're going to see anything like people are expecting from him. I don't think he's going to be the I don't think he's a Soto. A Soto is a pretty rare thing to see. Exactly. I don't think Robles is that. Yeah, I think think he's going to wind up. I don't think he's going to be. I don't know that I'm ready to say I think he'll be a bust. But I think it also, I want to preface everything I say here by, it depends on if Bryce comes back. If Bryce is here, Mm -hmm. I don't think we're going to see him much. Right. Yeah, which we won't really need to, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. He can just take time to develop. And I'm sure, I guess his his wrist is healed, but he can take the time to really get back into the swing of things, pun intended. (laughs) Um, But I agree with Ryan. Uh, I hate to see it. Like I, I would love Robles to be this top prospect turned top MLB star, like everyone has predicted. I just don't see it. And I think to not the casual MLB fan to just, but just like to just the, just anyone, I think they're expecting Robles to have a breakout season like Soto did, or they're expect they just think finding someone like Soto or Acuna or someone like that. And ha- for them to have the season they have, they, if they think it's not that hard, they think right. that it's just commonplace that you can find someone and they can just and do Can you that. imagine that, but for the injury to Robles in triple a last year, we likely wouldn't even have seen Soto. Yeah. It was the brightest yeah, which is wild. season last year. Yeah, and I remember I I can hand up I I said this like when they called up Soto I was like this is a hundred percent just for publicity the kid is not ready yeah and I I'm happy I was wrong yeah but I still think that's what it was and it just turned out great yeah so I, I, that was the best part of a really crappy season last year yeah that was having Soto here and I, the idea that we're gonna get that lightning in a bottle twice is just a, a bridge too far for me. I can't imagine that Robles he's good, but I think he right. actually will benefit if we get Bryce back and he can stay down in the minors and get a little Agreed. more seasoning. He, I think I think he doesn't really have to be a guy. Him. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I hate to say it and I, I won't, I won't put my stamp on it yet, but he's, Trending towards a more flashy, more touted Michael A. Taylor. Oh, take it back. <laughs> he, he's trending. I'm not saying he is, but he, any uh, granted, it's been a small sample size, but every opportunity he's gotten at the big league level, he has not shown us anything. So the guy is quick. He can steal bases. Who does that remind you of? Michael A. Taylor. I hear you, so. but I don't know. I'm not ready to go there yet. That's unkind. <laughs> I, I didn't i didn't put my stamp on it i That's said true. that but you just threw that out there into the world I, I, yeah and i i mean i don't want the universe to like grab onto that but i just i i had to put it out there just so i could call it in case i'm right so all right next one um this will be fun at pork chop 47 says how many wins will the nets have with harper or without harper this is a good question. I think we're going to dive into this in a future show when we kind of do like our season predictions and whatnot, but it's basically how many more games will the Nats win with Bryce? Mm-hmm. Um, who? So I think Bryce has so many impacts to a lineup, even if it's not him doing the damage it's the way teams pitch to him and the mm-hmm. guys directly above him or below him in the lineup. Um, I mean, it's the arm and right field. It's, it's yeah. a, a number of things. He, they walk him when like, and he's on base and there's just so many impacts that aren't shown in his stat column that he has to a lineup and over the course of a year. So I would say 
without just throwing a number out there, I would have to think about it more. Without Bryce, the Nats win, call it 92 games. With Bryce, I would, I would love to see 100 because there's just something sexy about the 100 win mark. Um, that's a but, high. That's a high mark. Yeah, I, I said I'd love to see it, but I think a 97, 98 win season is more likely. So Bryce would add six, seven wins. I think without him, they're like in that 86 to 90, 91. Ooh, it kills um, me. It just look at the, the competition and the division without yeah, him. Yeah, that's a good I point. That won't be able to cover up the bullpen weaknesses, but with him, on paper, they're the best team in the National League and it's not that close with them. So I think with him, that's 92 plus, and depending on health, that lets you know how high that team can get close to the hundred win mark. Yeah. I'm going to go, I'm going to go 90, 90, 91 without Bryce, uh, mm-hmm. 94, 95 with Bryce. Like you said, there's so many intangibles that aren't in his stat sheet. My favorite thing about Harper and you see it every, just about every game, you see somebody not, not try to stretch a single into a double because Bryce is, is there. You know, yeah. and that to me is one of those things where how many runs over the course of the season don't score because somebody didn't take second. Yeah, and that's I mean, that's this is a different debate, but that's my problem with war cuz like there's so many little things like that that you you can't calculate. You right. can't calculate Numbers can't, oh, it's an yeah, thing. You can't. Right, you can't calculate into impact like what like a runner's decision not to stretch a single into double because of Bryce. Like that's just not, you're not able to calculate that. So how do you really. Yeah. That would be a fun topic maybe for next week is what hopefully, hopefully. Bryce will have signed somewhere by then, but like, what is it that makes Bryce Harper or Bryce Harper? The hair. <laughs> <laughs> I love his hair. The beard. Oh, it. oh the wow. beard. Oh. All right. All right. That took a weird turn. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We've got one more question from Twitter. Uh, Mullins from uh, the DMV Sports Network as well, at Dennis Mullins. If the Nats struggle this year, will they fire Davey Martinez? In short answer, I think no. Um, I think Davey and Rizzo are both intertwined each other until 2020 when their contracts come up because they can't fire another manager after two years. And I think both of them having their contracts and expire at the same date is basically ownership saying you have until 2020 to win something. If not, you're both gone. So I think it would be a mistake. I think Rizzo is one of the best GMs in baseball. You can only do so much. He consistently builds a good team. Yeah. I I think when you're, when you let Rizzo do his thing with kind of free reign, he is, but a lot of the blame that got put on Rizzo, I will say it's because the previous well i don't want to say previous ownership but previous control from ownership was like hindering what rizzo could or could not do but now that you see rizzo have more control you're seeing more production and we've seen the the works of rizzo's genius in the past um i'm gonna change this question a little bit and i'm gonna say how much did the nats need to struggle to fire davy i think if you see something in the low seventies, I don't know how you w- we would ever get there. I don't want to imagine us ever getting there, but I think if you see a low seventies win total for the season, you really have to think about letting Davey go because clearly, you, yeah. you at that point you just have to admit that hiring him was a mistake. It happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's 
he wouldn't be the first coach to be like a like this early into his tenure. Like the m- mistakes are made. Would be at Nats Park with pitchforks and torches if they win in the low seventies. Oh, no, with this, this roster, a... if that's the production you get, that's just yeah. Unacceptable. If this team has a bad season, the fan base will revolt and call for his head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I have to say, I think that I I think that if Bryce comes back and they either don't make the playoffs or go out in the first round again, I think there's a good chance that he might get fired. I the mm-hmm. the PR hit of firing another manager is I think less than letting a guy who obviously can't do the job with an unbelievable roster stay it stay and you you only have you know you have windows and if he can't do it with Bryce in the rest of this roster then I I just don't think he can do it but if they don't sign Bryce and they I think if they miss the playoffs twice in a row I think there's still an argument for getting rid of him if they make the playoffs without Bryce and go out in the first round again I think he's probably safe so yeah and I mean if like if they did fire Davy, you have to think about the impact it has on the players too. Because I think it was Rendon who had the comment when before they um, they hired Davy, he was basically like, "Oh, I mean, I'm just used to it at this point. They, we've had a m- new manager like every two seasons. Yeah, yeah. it's so, not a good way to do business. Yeah, it's and they not, shouldn't have gotten rid yeah. of Dusty. I mean, he drove me nuts with some of the bullpen management stuff, but I think. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, Dusty I think he is got, greater he got than Yeah, in in hindsight, at the time, I was not like overly for getting rid of Dusty, but I had no problem with not picking him because I thought it, his mentality from the manager role was just too outdated for the way the game is today. Mm-hmm. Um, but I obviously for putting Jason Worth in. Exactly. Yeah. Don't even get yeah, started. It, it, yeah. That's we don't spiral ma- off we- into another no. <laughs> Yeah, we don't mention worth on this podcast. This is a Nats friendly yeah. podcast. You think we worth- don't like? Oh, Michael we Ford. should have that argument then because I'm not a worth hater. Oh yeah, are. we we will let our fans listen to our worth rant <laughs> at some at a later date. But All right, so um, now you know everybody. Yeah. You get to look forward to that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I I just think firing Davey, he would have to ha- have a really really bad year. And I don't think that's going to happen with just the sheer talent. Like, talent's going to win you X amount of games. And I think that that number is higher than the games. It would take that would, Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that's it. Unless you guys have anything else you want to talk about before we go? No. no I think, I think not that's really. I mean, yeah, the, the one – Final thought is just God. I hope Bryce resigns. Yes, God. please, Bryce, please. To our podcast and please to sign another contract with Washington. Yep, yep. You heard it here. You heard it here. All right, yeah. so that'll do it. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Um, subscribe to us, please, wherever podcasts are available, and uh, we'd love it if you leave a review on iTunes. Um, again, you can find me on Twitter. I'm Amanda A White seven eight seven seven. You guys want to give your handles again? Yeah, that's uh, at DC Natchak. Yep, I'm I'm part of the DC Nashak yeah. fam. It's me and Ryan. So the... yeah, give us a follow and uh, hopefully you don't get too upset by yeah, what we do. Some controversial <laughs> opinions and uh, some great takes. We're the place to go. All right, absolutely. Excellent. So don't forget too to check out the dmvsportsnetwork.com website. Um, you can follow them on Instagram and Twitter at dmv underscore sn. And uh, if you are interested in participating or being part of the team, you can contact them via Twitter the website or send an email at DMV sports network at outlook.com. Thank you guys so much for listening and we will all talk next week. Thanks later. See you guys. Bye.
for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.